0: Good morning. morning. If you haven't noticed yet, it is Palm Sunday today. It is one of the truly great events in church history, an event that is recorded recorded in Scripture to remind us, we and all generations throughout time, not to confuse the real Jesus with the one that we would like. To make him out to be, how is that? We do people a great, great disservice uh, simply by realizing that that sometimes we are not presenting the real Jesus. We do them a great, a great disservice when we are confused and and when we are not allowing our Lord and and our Savior. To be the one about whom we need to hear the real story. The one who will not let himself be defined by our desires and our likes and our expectations. You know, today, people will believe all kinds of imaginable, even sometimes unimaginable things about Jesus. It has become commonplace, maybe too strong of a word, I'm not so sure always, to kind of try to reshape Jesus in our image. And we do that as a church, we do that as individual Christians also, rather than allowing ourselves or, or reminding ourselves that what is truly important is we are willing to go through what can sometimes be painful and difficult to be reshaped into his image. You know, we all we all want our own little uh, liberator, our own little savior. One that will fit our situation and one that will say, you're okay. Don't mess with it. I'm not here to change you. But my friends, this Palm Sunday morning and every Palm Sunday morning we've had in our lives, the generations before us and those after us are here to proclaim to us that we cannot manipulate the son of the living God into becoming just what we want him to be, something that he is not already in himself. You know, the context here is that the people of Israel wanted a political liberator. And Jesus showed them that he indeed had come to set them free, but not primarily from just political oppression, but from the oppression of sin and selfishness and everything that followed from that. They wanted him to give them freedom from taxes, from a foreign uh, government, or foreign nation. But he came to give them freedom from evil and all that follows from that. That's what it is. He's the one who says who he is. He defines himself. And we're going to look today on this Palm Sunday... On who really is Jesus? Who is it? It's hard to imagine a more important question to ask, really, when you think about it. And if you reflect a little bit about what we do when we talk to people and to persons or ask them about who they are. Everybody gets described from a different angle, and you will do it to yourself. Some describe other people. If I ask, who is this person? And you will bring out kind of a, a, a character kind of uh, description of them, and you'll highlight their honesty, their faithfulness, their persistence, their integrity, and all of that. Others are looking primarily at, at, at maybe uh, their looks, and they, they refer to to uh, physical appearance, to clothes, to, to weight, to age, to height, to all these other kinds of things. And some uh, refer to, to other things when, when they think about how do we describe these things family backgrounds, some are talking about positions and, and, and fame and prominence. And you know how that goes, yes? You're all aware of that. I know that. Because we do it all the time. If I ask one of you, talk to me about your kids. What's the first word out of your mouth? Well, he's an engineer or she is a medical doctor or, you know. Yes, that comes out. Very few says, well, my son is an incredible father. He's led all his kids to the Lord. Or, or my, my daughter is this incredible witness. Wherever she goes, she finds a way to talk to them about Christ. We don't do that. We have other criterias. Yes? And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm just saying that to help us realize that to know a person genuinely and deeply, we need to know all kinds of aspects of this person. That's what we call Personal knowledge in the Gospels, we have four descriptions of Jesus. They all tell the same story, but they paint the picture with slightly different colors, emphasizing slightly different things. So so Matthew uh, wants to make sure everybody understood that Jesus was a Jew, and so he brings things back to Abraham. And he teaches and lets us see Jesus from, from that perspective. And you you, you go to Mark, he, he doesn't have that kind of interest. He goes straight to it. He well, doesn't even mess with it or how it began. He just said, he came to be baptized and then he did all these things. It's all action, action, action. And then you get to, to Luke. And Luke decides, and we see that from the beginning, to do careful research. He said, I know other people have written about this, but I'm a researcher. Here's the account. That I want to give. And so uh, this is what it is when you come to it, and then we get to things where you wonder, what is this? If you have Luke's Gospel, chapter three, if right, I go to the New Testament, you get to Matthew first, if you're not acquainted with it too much, then comes Mark, and then, then Luke. And go to chapter three of that, and I'll begin to read from verse 21. And you're going to think when I get a few verses, in, what in the world? So here's how it goes. When all the people were baptized, it was by John the Baptist, Jesus was also baptized. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom... I'm well pleased. And here comes the favorite verses you ever read. As he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and, and was thought to be the son of Joseph, son of Eli, son of Mattath, son of Levi, son of Melchizedek son of Jani, son of Joseph, son of Med- Should I go on? Why not? It's the word of God. Go to verse 34, son of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham, son of Terah, son of Nahor, son of Sarug. And you go on to verse 38 just to finish up this chapter, son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. You know, we're not, we're not too quick to be slow on reading verses like this. It's, it's kind of like when you're reading a book and you have a certain amount of page to read and you get to a picture that's, yes, you just skip half a page, right? And, and a lot of people may be doing that on here. But having said that, Luke does this for a reason. If you think about it, why would they do that? You know, Matthew does the same thing. In loads of places in Scripture, you'll see these long, extended kind of genealogies expressing who people really are in terms of their lineage. But there's more to it than that in in the ancient world. And what we see here is that Luke is clearly intending to say something very special about who is Jesus, and it is not to be missed, friends. It really is not to be missed. So if we go a little bit and just hit the highlights, we probably could have spent a lot of time just going through each of the names, but let's just hit the highlights. First thing that, that stops us here in a strong way is what we read in verse 34, that he is the son of Abraham. So who is Jesus? He is the author and the perfecter of faith. That's what it is here. Abraham was called the father of faith. But look, here's one that is greater than him. Abraham was called the father of all who believed. But Jesus himself was the very author of faith itself. He is the perfecter of faith. And moreover, He's not just the one who talks about what to believe. He himself is the one in whom our faith rests. He's not teaching us how to worship. He is the one we worship. And it's important, friends, to pay attention to this. For just as Abraham was the model and the example to the Jews... Of what faithfulness toward God meant. So Jesus is a model in the examples of Christians of God, who God Himself is. I hope we get this. You cannot come to know God except through Jesus. When you try to come to know God outside of Jesus, you will invariably come up with the wrong God. And the same is true also with Jesus. If you try to create a Jesus out of the little few things you've heard here and there without really grounding your knowledge in who he is, not going to come back to that, you will come up with the wrong Jesus. You no know, one of the most pertinent questions I think of this day and age is who's God and what is life all about. That kind of summarizes everything does it not? Who's God? And therefore what's life about? And the answer to this scripturally speaking is always look at Jesus. That's the answer. What are we to believe when when prominent and famous people speak about things and use the name of Jesus? Are they right in what they say? Look at Jesus. How do I evaluate in a situation where we live now with all kinds of things and agendas and, and, and uh, faith stuff is, is being thrusted at us? How do you evaluate what is right, what is wrong? Look at Jesus. He is the author and the perfector of faith. When you hear arguments, when you're trying to understand various explanations, when you weigh ethical questions, how do you find your way through this? Look at Jesus. Let me take a step further if I can. If you're, have you ever been shy about sharing your faith? I think most of us have. There's just something about that. But have you ever stopped to wonder why that is? Imagine this. If you're going to talk to someone... Well, there's just this other person that you deeply admire who has completely shaped your life. You love this person deeply. And you get to talk to someone about your life. Would you be shy about sharing about that person? No, Palm Sunday is here to remind us that that we have to spend time to come to know the real Jesus, to come to understand the real Jesus and who he is, that we may fall in love with him, that it will be easy for us to talk about him and let other people know about him because he alone is the author of faith. Or if I can use the language of Abraham, I mean the language of Luke, the son of Abraham. But it's intriguing. It doesn't stop quite here. Luke moves beyond what, what Matthew does and he says, but he's also the son of Adam, which is another way of saying he's the savior of every single person. And may I encourage us, each of you, everyone who is sitting wherever you are at home, in a camper, someplace, wherever, in a hotel room, in a car, wherever you might be. May I remind you of this, that we are here to recognize that we should not forget. This is Palm Sunday's message, friends we should not forget that jesus is the savior of every person he says it himself actually in the gospel of john when he says i have other sheep which are not of this fold i must bring them also to hear my voice so that they all may be one flock under one shepherd are we hearing this that's what that is People who worship the real Jesus understands this. That he's the savior also of the people we don't like. Sorry. Those who smell wrong. Yes. Those who wear jewelry on parts of the body where we don't wear jewelry. Yes. Those who have a different skin color than we have. Those who have a different kind of persuasion than we have. Those who have different opinions than we have. Yes. There is not a single person in this world that has ever been born that Jesus does not desire to save. If they come to him, friends, he he will receive them, yes? Don't ever miss this. This is the very essence of what Luke is saying when he says that Jesus is the son of Adam. So, we've got to ask ourselves, the Jesus we think about, the one who is in our head when we hear the word, the one who we speak about, the one we so much live out, so to speak, is that the real Jesus? But notice here, it he goes further. Luke doesn't even stop there. He goes on to say that he is the son of God. Who is Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, the son of God? And, and that is to not miss the power of what's going on here. That the Bible is quite clear, unquestionably so actually, that, that God himself stepped down from heaven to overshadow the Virgin Mary. And it was God that came to visit us through Jesus Christ. Yes? That there is nothing held back right here. The very one who did not consider it some kind of special privilege or a right. That is something to be grasped, to use a more biblical term for that, right? To consider equality with God, that's it. The I am. What's it? That's my right. He gave it up to become like us yes 100% God close in proximity with us so that he would also be 100% human and all of Jesus' life attested to this all of it his birth testified to this. He's not just someone who came and, and had good ideas and, and showed us how to love one another. No, he was the son of God. Everything testifies to this. His... Uh, His life testifies, his resurrection testifies to this, his ascension testifies to this. And when he comes back, his return will testify to that same thing. Jesus is the son of God, yes? Let's not make him any smaller than that. Because that is exactly why we can know that we belong to him. That he did not just sit around claiming his rights like some of us sometimes do, yes? Not here. Other people, other places, yes? (laughs) Oh, it's my right. I can do this. No. He was not some kind of aloof God hiding somewhere. Oh, I'll have time when I'm done with my golf or when I'm done with my whatever. No. He came here, gave up his own right, gave up his life, yes? That we may have new life. I gotta hear some shouts. (laughs) I'm not asking for that, but hello. We're not good at that, but boy, that is what is happening right here. That's the one when Luke says, how do I describe Jesus? Son of Adam, yes. Son of, son of Abraham, yes. Son of Adam, yes. Son of God, yes. So can I ask you this? Who do you think Jesus is? If he's anything less than the son of God. Your God is too small friends. You have made him too small. And if you're not sure what's really going on in your heart. You can bring this to your prayer room. Just look at the size and the frequency and the places where you give your testimony. That will tell you a lot. But there's more. It sounds like a commercial, right? But there's more. Lucas is, is keenly aware of what he's doing right here when he's doing this. So he begins this whole thing with the baptism of Jesus and it comes very, very clearly. We won't have enough time to go into all of this, but notice what it's saying here. A voice from heaven said, you are my son, the beloved. I'm well pleased with you. It's like God is saying, if there's still someone who is not quite sure, still in doubt, don't be I'm trying to imagine the impact that this would have been have have given if if I stood right there and heard that voice from heaven up until then all they heard was was John the Baptist had talked about it and they may have heard a little bit of hearsay from, from other people that this is a special guy but how do they know That he was actually the son of God. I know some of you are sitting there. Yeah, if I heard that voice, I would have believed too. And you may be watching also from from someplace else thinking, yeah, I can't. I don't hear voices from God. Well, that's not the only way God speaks, friends. In fact, that's not all that strong of a way if you uh, think about it for just a moment. We do this together. If, if you hear someone say something. How do you actually know that you heard what they said? That you didn't misunderstand a word. Or, or mishear a word. Or, or didn't f- fully grasp the whole context of what they were speaking about. And so after a season, after a while, you may have become really. I'm not sure. Did I hear that right? Is that really what he said? But when something is speaking to your heart. Moves you at the core of your being into realizing. This is conviction that is growing in my heart. I'm getting to this point. I have heard. It is settling in my bones, if you will. I know. You know, sometimes we say to each other, how do you know this? You say, I just know. That's that convictional thing and God friends are still in the business of speaking to people Uh, when he speaks it creates this deep conviction in our heart about what he wants and about who he truly is don't be fooled by by thinking that the only way God can speak is through audible kind of things He is my beloved. You know, it's a very similar text. A little bit later, Jesus taken some of his disciples up to a high mountain. We can read about it in Matthew chapter seventeen. We call that the Mountain of Transfiguration. And up there. Eric, God is revealing to them in a special way who Jesus is. And these very same words are coming and they're followed by a little phrase that I want us to notice. It says, this is my son whom I love. What? Listen to him. God is still in the business of revealing himself through Jesus Christ to us. That's why what? You need to listen to him. If you want to find your way to God, if you want to know who God is, if you want your life actually to have depth and meaning, listen to him. That's the Palm Sunday message, friends, and it, it ends by just a few things that I'll round this up with. That who is Jesus, Spirit of speaking? We just talked about this. The one who reveals who. God truly is. But ministerially also. It's so interesting to see. That, that Jesus' ministry really began. With his baptism. Luke notes here. That, that, uh, that there's something that happens. A sequential flow of this. The other gospel writers. Do not say that. He says that when Jesus prayed. The Holy Spirit. Came down. The Holy Spirit didn't come as as an expression of external circumstances, but on the basis of inner surrender, if you will. Just like he will come in your life. Not because of ceremonies, but because of inner surrender this incredible event when you look at this right here just, just look back in your text in the baptism of Jesus is an introduction to a life of service a life of ministry if you will it had this singular focus that the most important thing in my life is to introduce to people and make clear to them that the kingdom of God has come near you can come to know the living God that's who Jesus is ministerially speaking he's the one who shows us not only the way to God but the way with God he indeed himself is the way to God so i have to ask you friends and this will be my final statement right here do you want to know who Jesus is the real Jesus do you want to know who you are and also who you can become use this picture as a mirror the picture of jesus when you face a frightening world a confused world contorted world in the midst of all and everything going on in this time that, that just is difficult there's only one sure true foundation and his name is what? Jesus that's it so the question is if you're willing to let your life be shaped by him and not just try to shape him to fit your life. That's really the message of Palm Sunday. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And I know there'll be some here. There may be some even at home, friends. You may kind of have to get in the car and rush down here to ask someone to pray with you or, or at least pray there and give us a call. And there's some here that needs to come forward and just kneel and say, hey, I have to admit, just deal with God. God has spoken to you right now, either to say, hey, whatever I thought about Jesus is not really the picture I get. Because it's not enough just to read in a book about him. I can write a good essay about who my wife is, and you'll get to know her from that. But you won't get to know her. You know what I'm saying. You got To be with them. Yes. That's how personal knowledge works. Same is true here. You want to find a great fellowship. To be part of come here. And and let's talk to you. And pray with you. And and, and see how they will want to have you. As part of, of First Baptist Church of Louisville. Some of you just need to come to Christ. In a new and fresh way. Say this is my starting shot. In a new way. What could be better? Palm Sunday, 2023. Whatever God is speaking to you, come on forward. And we'll pray with you.